This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. In today's message, we learn what it looks like to have a cold heart towards God and how to warm it back up again. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Okay, now let's listen to the message, Encouragement for the Faithful, God Hears. And for that, we are forever and eternally grateful to God. Don't look at this end of the year and think that it's because of something that you done. Even though you worked hard and you went through a lot of headache to get what you got. But it is still God. Because there are a lot of people that have farmed for years and farmed through all the seasons. And at the end of the year don't have a harvest. So... Just because we work hard, it's the blessings of God. It is God working. It is God moving. It is what God has done for us. Today, I want to kind of encourage those that have remained faithful. It's been a trying time for a lot of people. The whole nation and the whole world has been in chaos and, and confusion and strife and division and everything that's been going on and you know when I was thinking about the message I thought about back in the day some folks can relate to this and some folks ain't gonna have a clue what I'm talking about but back in the day there used to be a time where folks used to have to know how to read a map you know you used to have to get the map out and kind of plot your course and and um, you would you would set out on your course and when you got off the path There was no GPS to say, recalculate, take a left at this street and get back on this street and put you back where you belong. You had to stop at a gas station. And you had to ask the attendant, how do I get back to so-and-so? And back in the day, a lot of these places didn't favor us. And it was hard to stop at some of these places. Now we have technology and we got a GPS that tells us, you know, it can pick us up wherever we are. And it can tell us. And it it amazes me that this thing is telling millions of people all at the same time in different parts of the nation and the world where to go. Individually, that sounds like God to me. It sounds like God. And my whole point of all this is, is that we really need to know where we are. At the end of the year, we need to do a, a self-evaluation. We need, to, we need to think about this year because a lot of people have allowed situations and circumstances to cause them to change their minds about God to drift away to to not want to serve him not want to worship him so I want this to be an encouragement and also I want it to be an examination for you to look at where you are and who you are and the title of my message is encouragement for the faithful and the title of this that's that's it's, it's going to be like a three, maybe four-part series, but the title of this one is God Hears. He Hears. 
And the funny part is he hears everything. But consider this scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. He said, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It's a lot of meat in that. It's a lot of meat in it. Because I want you to first thing he said, now as a, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Bro, Will, but I know you. Did you, did you go to Vietnam? Were you a, you a Vietnam vet? So he, 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 he got some understanding and comprehension about what I'm getting ready to say. Because a soldier actually gives up his will for the will of another. And based on where, what his job is or what he signs up for, it, de it determines what kind of training he's going to have. Because if you're going to be a ranger, then you've got to go through some extensive training to be a ranger. You're going to have to learn how to repel mountains and jump out of planes and do different things. And you're going to have to learn how to, what kind of worms and bugs to eat. If you're going to be a seal, then it gets off the chart. And a soldier actually gives up not only his will, but he gives up his comfort. He can't no longer sleep in his own bed. He can't see his family when he wants to see them. As a matter of fact, he can't go to sleep when he wants to go to sleep. He goes to sleep when he's told to go to sleep. He no longer has a choice to eat what he wants to eat. He's eat he has to eat what he's given. I don't know whether y'all ever heard of a sea ration or not, but it's a little meal. They call them ready to eat now, but they, they're little bitty meals. And, and I'm telling you from my experience, they're not that fabulous. But when you're hungry, anything is good. And so you have to learn how to give up your meal. You can't eat what you want. You can't sleep when you want. And a lot of times it costs the soldier his very life. And so the scriptures say that we should endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's enlisting us. <clears throat> he's enlisting us. And this is a part of God that most of us don't understand. Yeah. This is a part of him we don't understand. And a part of him that the truth be told, most of us don't even want. We don't even want it. So. Past two years have been hard, difficult years, great strain. Everything that can has been shaken. We've seen the government shaken. We've seen the economy shaken. We've seen the world system shaken. I never thought, me and my wife say this all the time, every time, probably every time we come back from the grocery store, I never thought I'd see the day that I'd go in the store and there wouldn't be food. I never thought I'd see it. I'm used to going in the store and, be, and, and, and mad because they got too many darn choices. <laughs> but now, the truth is, if you see it and you want it, you better get it. Because it won't be there in five minutes. It won't be there. I never thought I would see today that the government would be in the situation and the predicament that it's in. I never thought I would see this. I never thought that we would live in a time where the minority would seek and figure, try to figure out a way to still maintain power in a democracy. I never thought I'd see that. I never thought I would see the United States Capitol broken into, windows being busted, and actually men standing in that sacred place 
after doing all that violence, standing up there praying, talking about Jesus. It's amazing. It's amazing. I never thought I would see the church the day, the day when in the United States of America and around the world that you would not be able to go to church. I never thought I'd see it. Everything that can be shaken has been shaken. Church made, faced many challenges. A lot of folks left the church, but I hope they didn't leave Jesus. I hope they didn't leave Jesus. I hope they found somewhere else to go. But I hope that these people that left didn't leave Christ. But for those that have shown perseverance and genuine faith to Christ and his church, I want to encourage you to stay in the race, to stay there, to keep doing it. And, he, and as we come to the end of one and the beginning of another year, I want you to be encouraged and I want you to have hope. Because, you know, man, I'm telling you, the words to the songs have so much power. There's so much power when you see what they say. Because, you know, it's, it's funny. We laugh about it. But truth of the matter is, so many of those songs, you know, I done added so many words in that when I, his, when, <laughs> when, I, when I see what they're saying, I realize how far away I was. <laughs> I realize I had made a whole nother song in some cases. <laughs> oh, Lord. But, man, the words have so much power when I heard when I saw it today and I think I may have saw it last week but I saw it today he said she said the lady said the prisoner is my brother the prisoner the slave that's my brother man if we could see people that's in bondage and bound as our family our brothers and intercede and pray it changed the world so, Malachi chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. Now, you've got to understand that Malachi is the book right before Matthew. And during this time, historians say that this was a time of about two to three hundred years that they didn't hardly hear from God. Can you imagine that? They hardly heard from God. So, they, they, and they had seen, seen many, many, many challenges. They had been in bondage. They had been through different struggles. They had been through all this chaos and conflict. And they've been like most of us, and they've heard all the promises of God. They, they heard all the promises and stuff that God was going to do and what he would do. God sent Zechariah, who spoke a glorious Masonic, Masonic, Masonic message about the Masonic age, and this is what he said in Zechariah 14, 19. The Lord will be king over all the earth. How many of y'all have heard a lot of promises? I remember when I was a kid, I used to hear folks say, man, we, we living in the last day. And now here I am almost 60 and they still saying it. When I think the last days, I'm looking around any day now. We could be gone. I'm looking around at any moment this could be over. I've been hearing that forever. And we've heard promises forever and over and over. And then he said this in Zechariah 9 and 9. Rejoice, Jerusalem. Your king is coming to you, mounted on a donkey. And guess what? 
these folks looked at this and said, I haven't seen it yet. We're in bondage. We're having all this trouble. We're having all these problems. And yet you keep telling me my king is coming. He's coming to us, mounted on a donkey. He's coming. He's going to sit on a throne. He's going to make everything, everything right. But he has not appeared. I hadn't seen it. And guess what happened to people when you promise them something and promise them something and promise them something and don't ever come through. They get to the place where they what? They don't believe you. They don't believe you. Discouragement set over the people. Skepticism. And many folk move toward unbelief. And I'm telling you, a lot of this stuff, a lot of stuff has happened. People are looking at what's going on and they're looking at what's happening. I never in my life thought I would see over 800,000 people die because of a pandemic. In the, in, in the United States, 800,000. It's been millions over the world. But 800,000 in America have died because of COVID-related issues. Never thought it. And it caused people not to believe. It makes people wonder about what we say and what we say about God. But some remain faithful, and God is going to speak to those at the end. And we need to see today what is what faithful believers face and what do faithful believers do in hard and difficult times. What do they, what do, they do? What do faithful believers face? Disappointment with leaders. As I said, we could talk about this from every area of life. Folks disappointed with the leaders that are over them. The first responsibility of any leader is to be an example to the people that he or she leads. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm, I'm the one you're supposed to follow. My job is to point you to Jesus, not to point you to me, not to have you looking at me and trying to follow me, but to point you to Jesus. But that is a requirement that we live a certain way. And... Every true believer, every true leader, from a parent to a small group leader, to an elder, to a board member, to a preacher, to a youth ministry, it makes no difference what you lead. You should be an example to the people that you lead. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 3 says this, Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Let me say this about what has happened all over the world, all over the country, everywhere. People have grown, gotten into leadership, and they think that they're better than the people that they lead. They think that they are elevated and everybody else is below them, beneath them. According to what I read in scripture, the Bible says none is righteous, none, no, not one. There's none that doeth good. There's none that seeketh after God. All of us are as filthy rags, the most righteous thing that we do. And people have come to the place where they treat the preacher better than they do God. They treat leaders better than they do the God that they serve. Preachers have gotten to the place where they walk around like they come in on angels chariots and they got halos and wings and they fly in they don't live down here where we live 
They live from something. They, they from another place. And we start to look at them that way. But let me tell you something. I don't care who your preacher is. I don't care where he is. I don't care where he's from. He's a man just like every one of you. Facing, suffering the same temptation, tests, and trials. He has the opportunity to fail, to fall, to be defeated, to lose. He cries. He gets angry. He wants to kill from time to time. I don't care who he is. He goes through the same emotions and feelings that everybody else do. And for us to treat them like they're some kind of king, we've lost sight of God's purpose and plan. I'm not saying the Bible said uh, that, that those that serve should, should receive double honor. I'm not saying that they shouldn't. I'm not saying that. But I am saying we've taken it too far. We've taken it too far. And, and men have fallen into it. You know, I, 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 was, I was talking to a man one day, and, and I won't call his name, but a lady, not meaning no harm, came up to him one day, and she called him minister. His title was bigger than minister. He became angry and said, it took everything in me to keep him telling this lady off. And I'm standing there like, wow, Really? I went to a, a nursing home one day, and this guy that I grew up with, I, his wife was working in the place. I didn't know. I just walked in, and I, and I asked, I said, how's, I'm just going to say your husband's doing. I call him by the name we call him, not by his real name, but the name we call him by. And she looked at me, and she said, minister, so-and-so is doing fine. And I, to myself, said, excuse me. You know, I have people come to me and apologize when they find out I'm a preacher. And they, oh, I'm sorry, Pastor. Man, my mama named me Isaac. I was Isaac before I was anybody else. And I'm not offended when you call my name. I'm not offended by folk calling me by my name. I appreciate the respect. But I'm, I'm Isaac. I was Isaac when the doctor spanked me. And that's who I'll be when I leave this world. So, We've taken this too far. We've taken it too far. People have gotten to the place where they, they, they trust, lean, rely, and depend on leaders. God, God wants that for himself. Not for man. Not for us. So in the Old Testament, the priests had a special calling to lead. And this is what they did. Malachi 2, 7, and 8. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty and people seek instructions from his mouth. In other words, they're saying he should, he should preserve knowledge. He should be an example. He should make sure and be careful and cautious about what he says because sometimes people are hanging on your every word. It's amazing to me that people come into pulpits and they play with this. I've heard them. I've seen them. They think this is a place to entertain. They think this is something that we do for people. Not what we do for people. This is what we do for God. It's supposed to be his mouthpiece. You're supposed to speak what he says. Not what you think. Not what you think the folk want to hear. But what God say. And then it says, but you have turned from the way and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. 
You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, he's saying, now you have, and you know what? People have a tendency to teach people what they want them to teach, want to teach them so they can do what they want them to do. Teach a part of it. Teach a portion of it. See, many go astray. Many go astray. Many take portions of the Bible and make a gospel out of it, make a denomination out of it. And lead people astray. And a lot of people have turned away from God because of leaders. Failure among leaders have turned aside. Who have turned aside from the way and eroded the faith of many, many people. Let me say this to you. If I flip the script and go crazy tomorrow, y'all keep following Jesus, please. Please, please do that. Don't fall out with him because of a man. Don't fall out with him because of people. Continue to follow Jesus. And then the, the next thing was a disruption of worship. Disruption of worship. Nehemiah 13 verse 15 says this. In those days I saw in Judah people trending, treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys and and also wine and grapes and figs and all kind of loaves which they brought in Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And he said, I warned them. You know, I can remember the day. Some of y'all might be too young to remember, but most of us remember this day. How many folk remember the day when, when, when on Sunday, wasn't nothing open? There was a little corner store. That might have stayed open to about nine. He opened about seven to nine just in case you needed a piece of meat or something. Or some eggs or something. But after that nine o'clock, you couldn't go nowhere. There was no Walmart open. There was nothing that you could do. And folks were terrified to actually do something on Sunday. They were, I mean, man, the... You know, folks folk think about washing on Sunday. Folks thinking about, man, if, if, you, if you went outside and, and picked up trash beside the road, you were looking around to see if anybody saw you. But now, in their day, you know, they were, they were working the wine presses. They were gathering wheat. And I'm telling you, it's, a, it's funny to me, and it sounds weird to me, that I can wake up on Sunday morning and hear a lawnmower running. been a disruption in worship. And I'm going to tell you something. By us not, by people not being in church, they have gotten accustomed to doing what they want to do on Sunday. And a lot of them can't break away from it. They can't break away from it. They've turned this day into a day that they do what they want to do. And Nehemiah tells us the Sabbath had become another day of trading. Just another day. Think about back in that day. Man, that's when people went to church and stayed all day. Now we can't help. We too, you know, first question folks ask me, how long y'all stay in church? <laughs> how long y'all stay? It used to be, man, folks took a lunch. They took a lunch to church. Y'all been to some of them churches where you see them stone picnic tables outside? It wasn't for every now and then picnic. That was for Sunday evening. The folks had to go out, and after the preacher preached, they go outside, they put their stuff on the table, they eat, and then they go back in the church. 
And they stayed probably till it was dark. Now we're talking, well, we're here maybe two hours, two hours and 15 minutes, folks start wiggling their seats, start looking around, start breathing hard. <sighs> oh, Lord, how long? <clears throat> how long? I've heard of the long-winded preacher, which I'm probably one of them, and I don't care about you calling me that, because I'm going to say what God, if you got somewhere to go, feel free. I'm going to finish this if ain't nobody in the room. If everybody get up and leave, I'm not stopping until I'm done. So if y'all got somewhere to go, do like they used to do. Do like they used to, because I'm, I'm going to do what I came to do. I'm like the mailman. I don't care where you sleep. I don't care what you're doing. I'm going to open your box up. I'm going to drop it in. And I'm going to drive off. But, if you you know, if you've got to catch the play before it closed or you left your greens on, you I mean, go see about your stuff. But this is how we have gotten and grown to treat church. We can sit and I can, I, let me say, let me, let me straighten that out. I can sit and watch a football game for three hours and scared to move, jumping up doing commercial. <laughs> Trying to get back in for it, come back home. Or a movie. Thank God now we got these DVRs and stuff, we can just pause it. Go do who we want to do. But, but see, hey, you, you, try your remote on me. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep right on going. You can't pause me and come back. But this is how we, this is how, this is how people have started treating church. It, we've, we've lost the value. We've lost the worth. We've gotten to the place where, you know, man, oh, God. Anyway, worship continued, but it was fitted in. It's found a little place for it. Ease it into your life, all the demands and stuff. You got to squeeze it in somewhere. And Nehemiah said, I warned them. He saw what was happening to the people. He saw what was going on with the people. And he warned them. He said, you're drifting. You're not on course. He was the man at the gas station. No, 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 take a right. He saw what was happening. And this is what happens when worship gets to be not that important. Growing coldness of heart. Jesus spoke about it in the last days, Matthew 24, verse 12. He said in the last day, the heart of, the love of many would grow cold. And Matthew, Malachi describes what that looks like right now. This is what it looks like right now. The coldness toward God looked like then what it still looks like today. The Bible is not an old book. What I'm telling you today is happening right now, right before your eyes, right where you can see it. And you can use this profile to examine your own heart and ask yourself, are these signs that I am growing cold? And I'm telling you, when I started reading it and I started studying and I started looking, I saw some areas in this where my own heart was getting cold. Distant from God. When the heart grows cold, guess what? 
that grows with distance. Malachi 1 verse 2 it says I have loved you says the Lord but you say but you say how have you loved us? I like the way Malachi wrote. Every time God says something to them, they say, how have you done this? How have we done this? How have we, how have you loved us? And I can understand their plight, and I can understand yours if you may feel this way. A lot of folk don't feel like God loves them because, truthfully, you don't understand love. You don't understand love. See, see, love to you, people got many definitions of love. They got many ideas of what it means. But let me tell you something. There's, my mama loved me. You know how I know? My mama go to work and work 16 hours. Why? Because she had six mouths to feed at the house. She tolerated all kind of mistreatment and abuse. Why? Because we were there. I seen my mama go to work with risings under her arm, big as eggs, and she had to weave all day. Why? Because of us. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, my mama loved me. I might question somebody else, but I didn't question mama loving me. But then there was those days when I was that little boy that I shouldn't have been, and mama got that meal strap. This long, this wide, that thick, split on the end. And she tell me to go lay, in, lay down on the bed in the room. Those were the days that I didn't know whether mama loved me or not. I thought she didn't. Those were the days that I mumbled as a child. And said stuff under my breath that I'm ashamed of now. About my mama. Because of what she was doing. How she was beating us. How mama demanded that you be in the house by the time the street light came on. That you take a bath and be in the bed by 8.30. I was so tired of that I didn't know what to do. Summertime. We sitting around watching Hee Haw. Wasn't nothing else on? <laughs> Lawrence Welp. Every now and then he had one of us on Lawrence Welp. And we screamed, Mama, hey, Mama, Mama, look, look, a black man on TV. Yeah. But we sitting around, my thumb so sore, I, man, if I seen another butter bean, I'd die. Thumb so sore. That you can't hardly push it in and, and, and pry them holes open. And as soon as you get through, you think you're done, mama come out the other room with another bushel of them. And she would just go in the closet and pull stuff out just to give you something to do. No real reason behind it. But you know what? I'm going to tell you something. After years of that, when I got to be an older man, I looked back and I said, my mama, my mama shorted me. She didn't beat me enough. She left me with a few demons I had to deal with on my own. Mama, mama saved my life. I didn't go to jail because of mama. Mama in that strap. A lot of things I didn't do because of mama. But see, we understand love the way we want to understand it. And we see it the way we want to see it. So when God does what we say, then he loves us. When he blesses me and he gives me all of the pleasure and he relieves me of my pain, he loves me. But when life gets to be hard, that's when I wonder, do he love me?
Do we really love him? That's because you don't understand God. That's why, that's what these people are. They didn't understand God. They profess faith, but they no longer believe that God loved them. Folk profess faith, profess they know God, but then they question if he loves them. Because you don't understand love. You don't understand what it means. Jude 21 said, keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. A cold heart is a heart that is far from the warming fire of God's love. If you're sitting somewhere today and you asking the question, I don't know whether God loved me or not. It's not because God had grown distant. It's because you have walked away. It's because you have chosen to walk away from God. It's because you don't understand what love really is. Love was not just my mama feed me. Love was not just my mama when that doctor was sticking them, them scissors in my foot without deadening my foot and my mama sitting there crying with me. Love was not just that. Love was when mama said, go lay, lay across the bed. I'll be in there in a minute. And she whipped my butt. Multiple times. Many times. Many times. That was my mama loving me. And that is God loving you when he don't, when he don't do what you think he ought to do. And that's when we question, do he... Do God love us? Do I don't know whether God really, God look like God love everybody or he don't love me. Because you equate love with stuff and things. You equate love with blessing and that is a part of it. But that's not the major part of it. Formal in worship. Malachi 1.13 says this, but you say, what a weirdness this is. And you snort at it says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick and this you bring as an offering. And God says, shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? In other words, this is what he's saying. He's saying, um, he's saying worship has gotten to be to you a chore. They came to, wor they came to worship but it's gotten to be a duty. In other words, like going to work. You get up in the morning, oh, God, I got to go to church. Lord, I hope that man that, you know that man, you know that man that sang all that long time. You, you know that, that same deacon that get up and pray that same prayer. You already know what he's going to say before he say it. And then, Lord, the preacher get up and then he go to talking. And he go to hooping and he go to carrying on. And you come to church like somebody had to drag you in. You come to church like, God, I'm, I'm doing you this favor. I'm coming today. Don't expect anything else out of me this week. <laughs> They've been doing it for years. I'm going to tell you something. I, tell, I say this to people. I say this to people. I say... You need to not prep and get dressed to worship. You need to prep your heart to worship. You, don't, you want to know why God don't manifest himself in the church? We ain't ready for him. We don't prepare for him. We don't pray and ask him. We don't seek him until Sunday morning. 
We need to start seeking God. When you leave here on Sunday, you need to start seeking him in for the next Sunday. You'll be amazed at what God will do. God will truly amaze you if you'll do this. But let me bag up. Look what they did now. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or is sick. In other words, you say, you know, you know back then they sacrificed in sheep. So that sheep that the wolf got, he didn't kill him. But, you know, he got, got one of his eyes out and he walking around like this. And he had, well, you know, so you said, hey, he's going to die soon. Let's, let's go offer him to God. In other words, I don't give God my best. I offer him what's left. Not only the one that's taken by violence, but the one that's lame, that old lamb that's sick. You want to catch him before he dies, because if he dies, then you got to throw him away. But if I catch him before he dies and take him to church and give him to God, everybody, everybody heard this statement. God understands. Why is it that God always got to be the one to understand? Why can't you understand sometimes? Why is it always God that got to understand? And God says, shall I take this? And then people often wonder why they give and they don't get blessed. Let me tell you something. God is not looking at your hands. He's looking at your heart. Looking at your heart. The Bible said, don't give grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. They came to worship. Worship became a duty. Been doing it for years. Just tired of it, man. Just tired of it. See, this is what comes from a cold heart. This is what comes when your heart starts to get cold. You start getting cold toward the church and everything and everybody else, see. And the next one is careless in marriage. Malachi 2.15, it says, guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. Guess what happens after this? After your relationship with God starts to fail, your relationship with people fall apart. Your relationship with people is the next thing to go. It affects everybody that God has placed next to you and around you. Actually, a cold heart can be related to a selfish heart. Because now you've turned away from caring about anybody else, and now all you are concerned about is yourself. And here's the one where I felt God pulled the belt out and slapped me across the back two or three times. Persistent in complaint. Malachi 2, 17, the first part of that verse says, you have wearied me. You have wearied the Lord with your words. Let me tell y'all something. Let me tell you something. And you may remember this and you may not, but let me say this to you. There's a story in the book of Exodus when God had brought the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage and they were complaining against Moses. And God said, because you have complained against me. In other words, God said, y'all talking, talking about Moses, but you're talking about me. Because the truth of the matter is, I am the one that brought you here. 
Moses was just following my instructions. Moses just followed my direction. So when you talk about Moses, you're talking about God. Same way with a job. Same way with the church. Same way at home. Same way with everything. Wherever we are and we find ourselves complaining, we find ourselves complaining against God because God is the one that's working in your situation. There's nothing that comes to you that don't come through the hand of God. So when I say, when I tell them I'm just sick of it, I'm just sick of it, sick of it, sick of it. <laughs> Ain't take no more. <laughs> I had all I can take. And the reason I know, because I said, I'm sad, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of these people. Tired of it. Can't go another day. In other words, I, I could have just, let me translate that for you. God, take your hands off me. I'm sick of you. That's what I'm saying. He in the midst of it. He's trying to mold you. He's trying to shape you. He's trying to make you. He's trying to do something in your life. And you telling them all the time, God, I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of it. Tired of it. I don't want to do it no more. One sure sign of a cold heart is the habit of complaint in which all we can see is what's wrong with the world. All we can see. All you can see. What do you see at work? Let me tell you something. When I go to work, man, all they, all they talk about is working six days. We're working eight and a half, nine hours. We're working every day. We're working, every day. We're working, 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 working. You know, and that's all we can see. That's all we can see. And all these people around you, they're complaining. You know, it's amazing that one day we went to work, we went to work late, like 6 o'clock. They, they said, they didn't, we didn't have no parts, so they said, call them off till 6 o'clock. And these people came to work at 6 o'clock, and the first question they asked me was, what time are we going home? I said, Lord, hey, I mean, well, I don't even want to walk out on the floor. <laughs> the first question, that, I mean, Jeff walked in. I've been there since two. What time we going home? Why y'all treating us like kindergartners won't tell us what time we... Lady, you just got here. <laughs> you just came in. Come on. You ought to want to work and get your eight hours. No, 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 no. And we've had days where we didn't have parts. We didn't have no parts. And all they're doing, they standing around, all they're doing is standing around talking. They're standing around talking. And the first question they ask, what time are we going home? I'm tired of this. You're either working too hard, you're not working them enough. I ain't come to work to stand around doing that. And then when you got something for them to do, what time are we going home? I said, Lord, how much. I ain't got too old for this. <laughs> I ain't got too old for this kind of foolishness. This young generation, boy, I'm going to tell you, they something to see. They are something to see. They something to behold. You need to have your camera out at all times. There's enough stuff in the Briggs Stratton to make a movie. A complaining heart. And God says, I'm tired of hearing it. He said, your words have wearied me. Your words have made, 
Hey, now, now listen at that now. Now, you know you're bad when you can make God tired. Yeah, he said, I'm tired of hearing it. Y'all have made me tired. And he don't even get tired. And see, we don't understand God. That's why we complain. We don't understand God. That's why we complain. We want, we want God to be there to make sure that we have plenty, that we have pleasure, that we don't have no pain, and that we got everything we need. Anything other than that, God, mind your business. And then he said this, Malachi 3, 7, first part of uh, verse 7, second part of verse 7, and then verse 8. He said, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, that Malachi, I'm telling you, I don't know what kind of people he were. How shall we return? How, 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 we, how you want, what do you want us to do? How do you say you love us when I'm going through all this trouble? How do you want me to return? I'm doing all this complaining, but how do you want me to return? And then he, then, then he tells them. Malachi 3, 7. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in tithe and contribution? Now, you want to you wanna shut down a church. This scripture right here will do it every time. This right here get in folk business, man. It start looking in their pocketbook. They start getting mad with you when you start talking about money. You want, you want, to, you want to get some folk off your side? Mention George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Lincoln, some of them dead president. And this will do it. This right here will do it. But look how God, look what God say. Now, I can't imagine, now he, he's talking about complaining, but then he says, now he's talking about a cold heart. He's talking about being distant from God. He's talking about folks that say, I, God don't love me. He's talking about bad leaders. And yet, when he said, how shall we return, he talk about money. How does that go together? This is how it goes together. Jesus said this when he was talking in the, in the gospel. He said, where your heart, where your treasure is, thou will your heart be also. When the rich man came to him and said, good master, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus told him, name four or five commandments. He said, all these have I done from my youth up. What lack I yet? In other words, been there, done that, got that, Jesus. Checked off all the boxes. What do you have next? <laughs> and Jesus said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And he said, I'll holler at you. I'm not doing that one. I've done all the commandments, but I'm not doing that one. Why? Because my heart is in my treasure. I am gathering up for me, mine, and mine. When your heart gets cold toward God, your money becomes your own. And the scriptures say, read it for yourself. All y'all Google, Google, Google rules and, and uh, 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 series and whatever of them other things y'all talk to. Ask her. God said this. He said, silver and gold is mine. 
cattle up on a thousand hill, all the wild beasts of the field of the field of mine. He said, if I were hungry, I wouldn't even tell you why, because I own everything. Earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. He said, everything belongs to me. See, money gets to be a problem when you think it's yours. When you take ownership of it, when you claim it. Remember what I said a while back. I have never, I don't care how rich a man was, I don't care who he was, I've never seen anybody, any hearse pulling a U-Haul. Everything you got, you're going to leave it here. And the Bible said, you're literally going to leave it to a fool. Took you 40 years to get it. Take them 40 days to get rid of it. All your hard labor. And my heart, God said, if, if you want to come back to him, he should come to the realization that you don't own nothing. Come to the realization that what you have in what you call your pocket, God said the pants belong to me. More, much, more, much more what's in them. He said the pants belong to me. And what's in the pocket is definitely mine. He said the silver and gold is mine. Now I don't know what kind of money you got, but it came from one of them. It's backed by one of them. It's backed by silver and gold. So God said that belonged to him. And I'm going to tell you something. You can have all the money in the world, but there are certain things you can't purchase. Certain things you can't buy. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I know you go to work every day, but let me tell you something. If God didn't make the food grow, if God didn't cause the sun to shine, the earth to go to work and make that seed reproduce after its own kind, you can plant all you want. You can have all the money you want. You can't buy nothing. And let me ask this question to you. Will it save you? A rich man thought that one time. They was actually, Jesus had actually, the Holy Spirit had been moving and working. And this man came up to him. He said, now how much can, does it cost for me to buy this Holy Ghost? It's in the book of Acts. So this can't be bought with money. Can't be bought with money. And see, people actually think, we live in this world and we act like we're going to live here forever. Like we're going to be here forever. Like this is our home. This is our eternity. This is our destination. Money is supposed to flow through your hands. Not get in your hands and the president die on the money because you're holding them too tight. Let me say this to folk that, that, that tight with money and can't find their way to give it away. I'm going to tell you something. The, it, the saying is true. The more you give, the more he'll give to you. And the song where they say, you can't beat God giving, no matter how hard you try, you can't beat him. You can't beat, you can't beat him. And let me say this to you. God does not need your money. Remember what I just said now. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, he's not after your treasure. He's after your heart. 
Because you have taken the treasure and made it your God. He's trying to get your heart by getting you to release the treasure. Let me ask, let me ask a dumb question. How can you trust God to give you, take you to a place you've never seen, keep you from a place you've never been? I'm talking about heaven and I'm talking about hell. And you can't trust him with a dime out of every dollar. I, 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 I have trouble seeing that one. But a cold heart has no interest in drawing near to God. I don't want to be close to him. Because he's going to require something of me that I don't want to do. He's going to ask me for something that I don't want to give. Disinterested in service. Look at what he said, Malachi 3, verse 13 and 14. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, here, here they go again. How have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. It is vain to serve God. And I'm going to tell you something. I believe a lot of people are in this place. A lot of people are in this place. Look, 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 look why. Look why. A, a, a cold heart feels that the cost of following Jesus simply isn't worth it. If God's people get sick and are bereaved, the same as everyone else. I mean, why serve him? I get sick just like the folks in the world do. God's people lose their job just like everybody else. Why serve him? Why serve him? Look, Malachi 3.15, evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they and look like they escaped. Why serve him? Why serve him? I'm, man, I'm, 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 man, my feet hurting right now. I'm sure, I'm sure the folks in the world can testify that their feet hurt too. I'm suffering from the same affliction. affliction. I mean, sometimes I, sometime I get where I can't hardly breathe. But you know what? I don't care what I don't care what they say. I'd rather be feet hurting and can't breathe with Jesus than to be without him. I'd rather be broke, busted, and disgusted serving God than to be like the world and one day be like the rich man. Think about what the rich man said. He fed, he fed scrumptiously every day. He ate the best of food. He ate the best of everything. And the Bible said the rich man died. And he lifted up his eyes in hell. Lazarus, who had nothing, and I'm not telling you every rich man going to hell and every poor man going to heaven, I'm not telling you that. But I'm trying to tell you that all of this stuff is not going to help you get there. And let me tell you what else, what, what else God said. God said this. He said, he, said, he, he said to Paul, I'm not going to get rid of your affliction, but he said, I'm going to give you some grace. He said, I'm going to help you to deal with it. I'm going to help you go through it. See, my feet hurt, but every day, at the end of the day, somehow or another, I make it. You know how I made it? Grace. Grace. Them days when I leave home and I feel like I can't, it's hard for me to just do that. And at, at the end of the day, end of the night, it's 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'm, and I'm lifting them coming back home. You know how I did it? Grace. Yeah, Grace. You can go without grace. But this, this is what they say. What's the point? 
Why serve him? Why serve him? Because folk got a misconception of God. They think God came to do away with your problem, to take away your pain, to help you to prosper. So you can wave your magic wand and say, Cadillac, whoo, oh my, thank you, Jesus. Could have gave me a blue one, though. Yeah, what's the point? Listen, folk, the greatest danger you'll face this year is that your heart will grow cold. That's the greatest danger every one of us face. So what are we supposed to do? What do faithful believers do? Malachi 3.16 said, then, the Lord, then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. When the love of many was growing cold, there were some who feared the Lord. And look what they did. The fear of the Lord is the opposite of a cold heart. The thing that I fear the most is his frown. That's, that's, what I, that's what I dread. And that's what I, that's what I don't, I don't want to see. But my greatest delight is his smile. My greatest delight is his smile. And Jesus prayed this in John 17, 26. He said, Jesus prayed to the Father that the love with which you have loved me may be in them. The prayer that Jesus, the prayer of Jesus is that the love of the Father that the Father has for the Son may be in you. And we say we don't love him. So how is it supposed to be? How is it supposed to be in Romans 5, 5? He said, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. By what? By the Holy Spirit, which is given unto you. The Holy Spirit brings the love of God. You should have an assurance on the inside of you that God loves you. I don't care what nobody say. I don't care what your circumstances say. That's why Peter says to faithful believers, though you have not seen him, you love him. And to you who believe he is precious. He's precious. Now here are people who live in a cold spiritual climate, but they love the Lord and notice what they do. Look what they do. They speak with one another. Let me say this to you. There's a lot of folks try to wing it on their own, but I'm going to tell you, you can't do this by yourself. Malachi 3.16 again. Though then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another, the Lord paid attention and heard them. And you may say, well, I still have faith, but I'm done with the church. I said this over and over. I actually preached a message on this, and I want you to hear this and understand this. The church is considered to be Jesus' bride. It's considered to be his body. It's considered to be his building. So how can you say you love Jesus and not love his church, not be a part of what he loves? It ain't possible. You can say it all you want. You can say it all you want. You can think that you can manage on your own. You think that you can do this on your own. You think you can do this alone. But let me tell you, all that's happening is your heart is growing cold. Your heart is getting hard. You are isolating and separating. You are becoming selfish. And all you can think about is yourself. But these people, they draw strength from others who have the same love for Christ. That's why we are here. That's why we come, so that we can draw strength from each other. You will find the presence of Jesus in the company of believers because he said in Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name, he said, there am I in the midst of them. He said, I came to be in and with my people. The Bible says in the multitude of praise, he said he'll be in the midst of his brethren when they praise God. He said he'll be there. So the next thing they do is they speak well of the Lord. 
Malachi 3.16, it says, Those who feared the Lord spoke with one another, and the Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of, re of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed or had honor and respect for his name. Here's a, here's a million dollar question. When those who feared the Lord, when those who feared the Lord spoke together, they spoke in a way that honored his name. Normal way of speaking, people complained. And they questioned everything he said or did. This, is, this, this, this was what they were surrounded by. This is what they were living around. But no man has really suffered more than Job who lost all of his children. Not only did he lose all of his children, he lost everything. Let me ask you this. If you lost everything, everything. I don't forget. I don't forget whether Job had seven or ten. I think he had ten children. What if the word came to you? You had ten children, and the word came to you: all of them are dead. This is a young man on my job. He lost one. He ain't been to work in over a month. One. This man lost ten. Not only did he lose ten. He lost all his camel, all his oxen, all his donkeys. His house was struck and caved in. He was the richest man in the east. The Bible says that. He was the richest man in the east. Job was. One day he went from rich to nothing. And guess what he said? The Bible said he put on, he put on sackcloth. He shaved his head. He took ashes and threw them on himself. He said the Lord had given the Lord has taken away. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. So the question is, what do you say when you got trouble? What do you say about God when things are not right? When things are not going the way that you want them to go? In Job 42, 7, the Lord said to Eliphaz, the, the Temanite, my anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of, spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. They were saying that God did this to Job. He said, you ain't spoken right of me, but Job has. What did Job say? When Job's wife, the last person he had alive, he's sitting on a, a heap, a, a, a garbage heap, and his flesh is falling off of him. He's taking a clay pot, piece of pottery, and he's digging in these sores and getting that dead flesh off of him. And his wife came to him and said, man, do you still maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. Job looked at it and said, you sound like a foolish woman. Now here this man is. He done lost everything he has. He lost ten children. And now he's in terrible health. And he's sitting on a trash heap with nothing. And yet he maintains his integrity about God. Let me say this. God hears what we say about him. He takes note of what we, when we speak well of him in times of trouble. Let me ask you this. What do you say when there's nothing in the refrigerator? What do you say when you see the light man coming down the, the, the street with the light truck and you know you ain't paid your bill? What do you say when you're in the dark? What do you say when you don't have enough? Because let me tell you something. It's not, it's not good to praise. Praise is good when things are good. But praise has more value when I can do it and everything's wrong. Everything is wrong. Everything in Job's life had gone wrong. 
everything. And this man had got up and sacrificed every day, every day, because he was scared that his children would sin against God. So he got up and made a sacrifice for them every day. And he said, the very thing that I fear has come upon me. And then all of a sudden, man, I mean, one right after the other. Job, all your camel and your oxen are gone. Uh, the, the Sabians came in and they killed all your servants. All your cows are gone. Job, as fast as one leaves, here come another. Fast enough. And then his prized possession that came last. One escaped and said, Job, all of the thing that he didn't want to happen, all of your children are dead. Matthew, what would you say? What would you say? Would you tear your clothes? Would you put on a sackcloth and, and throw ashes on you, shave your head? And would you get down on your knees? And would you say, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away? Blessed be the name of the Lord. I had a lady come to my job. Her husband died out on the water. He died on the water. And here it is almost a month later. And she still why did God take him away from me? I understand your pain. But look what this man said. Those that were considered to be his friends came around and said, no man ever suffered like this without some sin in his life. These are his friends. While you're down, they throwing dirt on him. While he's going through the fighting for his life, they, they, they're casting doubt in his mind, trying to make him think, what have you done wrong? All that Job was going through, he just lost 10 children. And y'all didn't come to say, Brother Job, I'm so sorry. You come to try to find out what's wrong. What kind of sin has he committed? What has this man done wrong? This don't happen to people. And, and see, that's why we don't know God. God would have once said, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him. God, Job didn't say, oh, I guess God don't love me. No, he said, the Lord has given, in other words, I enjoyed him, all the stuff he gave me, but now he's taken away. He said, in the midst of his worst days and his worst hours, he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. And we need to be to this place in Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. But only such as is good for building up. And then this is where every one of us need to pray. Psalm 141. 141. 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let me say it in, in Opelika, South Long Street talk. Shut up! Quit talking so much. Especially when you don't know what you're talking about. Some of us talk just so other people can be fascinated by what we say. And some of us talk because we just don't know how to shut up. We just don't know how to be quiet. You know, and I listen to more folk, they be talking, man, I'm going to tell you something. Hear me good. I ain't talking about nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. When you leave, you ain't got nothing. And I sometimes listen at us and I listen at me. I listen at folk talking, I be like, God, how do you do this? 
And we think we're so intelligent, we think we're so smart, we think we're just saying something, man, and God's sitting down there looking at us. And I told my wife this other day, she got real took her. I said, God, be sitting up there looking at us, and he said, Lord, help us. <laughs> he he had to call on the Lord to have mercy. <laughs> Some of the stuff we be saying, man. And we think we're just so intelligent, so smart. Let me tell you something. God loves simplicity. He's simple. He's simple. Remember last week when I talked about the boy, the boy, the boy called on God? He couldn't have been that intelligent. He's 14, 16 years old. He's 16 years old. He, 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 just, he just called on him. He just cried out to him. He's simple. And I'm going to leave you with this. He said, be not weary in well-doing. For in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. <coughs> be not weary in well-doing, for in due season. Listen to me, folks. I don't know what due season is. And I'm sure you done heard the promises before and you kind of like these people, you're drawing away, you're starting to get into unbelief, start to get a cold heart, you start to think that I got to take care of myself, I got to fend for myself. But let me tell you something. Don't be weary in well-doing because in due season you're going to reap if you don't faint. And I promise you, I'm telling you, I don't know what due season is, I don't know how, how long that is for you. But this one thing I do know, God's promises are true and that he's not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. He said, if I said it, I'll do it. If I spoke it, I'll make it good. God don't make promises that he don't keep. I don't care how long you've been waiting. I don't care what you've been going through. I don't care how difficult it's been. I don't care whether it looked like the world is prospering, looked like the dope dealer got it better than you. But, and, and, and right now, he might do. He might. But there's a hell of waiting some people. Where you want it at? Where you want it? I don't, you know what? I listened, to, I listened to one of those songs today, and this is the thought that came into my mind. This thought that came to my mind. The thought came to me, man, one of these days, I am going to go to a place where the singing is going to be just so unadulterated, so pure. We never heard it. I mean, as good as that lady could sing, I'm going to look back at that and laugh. That's going to be a day. Where, where, are your, where are your treasures? Where you store them up at? Where you keep them at? I know some of y'all got them in PNC and Bancor South and Southern States and all them other different Four Seasons and all them other places. Let me tell you something. You better put them in heaven. Because this life is so temporal. It's so, it's so short. Man, it just seemed like yesterday. It seemed like yesterday I graduated from high school. You know how many years that man? Shame to tell you. Shame to tell you. Life is short, folks. It is short. It is short. The Bible says your life is like a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. It is short. It is short. It's short. Let us pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for holding us. Thank you for sustaining us. Thank you for maintaining us. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for keeping us. Thank you for loving us. 
Thank you for helping us even when we don't understand. Thank you for loving me in my ignorance. Thank you for caring for me and even fulfilling your promises even when we don't deserve it. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And Lord, I just bless you, praise you, worship you. I pray that you challenge your people to search and look and see who they are, what they are. Have coldness crept into their hearts. And Lord, when they see it, I pray that they don't deny it, but they own it. And they cry out to you for help. I bless you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe and share with somebody you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries Church.